Today on Abounding Grace, the comfort and strength that we receive from God through the tough times in life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Thanks for joining us for Abounding Grace. Today we continue a series in 2 Corinthians. In 1 Peter 4.12 we read, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. We're to expect suffering as we go through life. And as we'll discover today, God wants to be our comforter through it all. So whether you've lost a job recently or have trouble at home or have a difficult work environment, let's find comfort and strength in our Lord now and see how to pass it on to others. Pastor Ed Taylor's message is based in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. When I think of going through the fire, I think of three young men back in Daniel. Remember them? Turn back with me in Daniel chapter 3. One of the favorite Bible stories, true stories that we teach to the kiddos and and it's encouraging to me. And I want to point something out to you that perhaps you've never seen before in Daniel chapter 3. And these young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You looking for names for your kids, moms? Waiting to name that kid? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. The backstory is Nebuchadnezzar the king is so enraged that these three young men won't bow down to a false image. So what does he do? He throws them into the fiery furnace. You'll see in verse 19 that Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression of his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded, verse 20, certain mighty men of valor who was in his army to bind them. Mark that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, they were told to be bound. He commanded these mighty men to bind them and cast them into the fiery furnace, verse 21. Then these men were bound, you mark those words, bind and bound in their coats their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And if we were there on the side watching it all happen, we're crying by now because we've just lost our friends. They're gone. And there was nothing we could do to it. We had to watch it. We were powerless to stop it. As they were being bound and as they were going in, Willingly, undesired, not desiring to bow down to a false idol. They're willing to pay the price for their faith. If we were there and they were, we were their friends and we were watching this go down, we're crushed. They get thrown into the fiery furnace, bound. Verse 22, therefore, because the king's com- command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, what does your Bible say? Bound. That's three times. The Bible tells us they 
Bind them, they were bound, they were bound. Mark it. God's making a point to us. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. How were they thrown in? Bounds. Then, verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he arose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, verse 25, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. When was it? that I believe this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. When was it when Jesus showed up to them and walked with them? Was it while they were being bound? Was it while they were being tossed? Or was it when they were in the midst of the hottest fire that anyone, it's so hot that the guys that threw him in died? I know we want Jesus to show up when we're being bound, and I know he was there all along to comfort and encourage, but where did he show up to walk with them? Through the fires. Now, Every time I've ever taught this, before we went through Daniel here as a church, I would always emphasize, and I believe accurately and rightly, the presence of Jesus here in the fire. I'd emphasize it because that's what the story is teaching us. That's what this true revelation of the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's what this teaching us. Jesus is there. He's in the midst. Trust him. He'll show up. Maybe it's the, the fire's just got to get a little bit hotter. No, no. Yes, yes, just a little bit hotter. But you know the Lord's going to show up. He's faithful. You're going to know it, and everyone around you is going to know it. And that's how I'd emphasize. That's what I teach. And each time I'd read it, even my devotions, I would miss those words, bind, bound, bound. I'd miss them. Of course they'd bind them. Of course they'd tie them up. They want to make it as bad as possible. I don't want them squirming around, fighting, crawling out or anything. Of course, of course. And then when I went through Daniel for us, I taught this many years ago, those words jumped off the page, bind, bound, bound. But one more, did you see it? It's in the very verse that Jesus shows up. And you just kind of read through. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not heard, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Wait, 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 wait a minute. They're what? They're loose. They're loose. They went in bound, but now they're loose so quickly. It's, un- it's important for us to understand how God operates as the fires of life are turned up around us, flaming up against us. There are times, and we pray for this, This is always my hope, that God would deliver me out of the fire. Personally, I'm not interested in anything to do with fire at all, ever again in my life. I'd rather be delivered out of the fire, whether it's a literal fire or it is a spiritually metaphorical picture of struggling and tribulation and pain and sorrow and suffering. I want to be delivered out of the fire, and that's going to be my first prayer. I know it. It's going to be natural. It's what's going to come out. Get me out of this, Lord. I don't want to. I hate this. And sometimes God will honor that. He'll deliver us out of the trouble. He'll just come and pluck us up and deliver us. And yet still there are those times that God will deliver us through the fire, not from it, but through it. He'll actually use it as we go through it. He'll walk with us. The psalmist didn't say he took me out of the valley, although they did go through it, the valley of the shadow of death. That's Psalm 23, verse 4. And as a loving father only can, sometimes he allows the flames to burn away those things that are holding us captive. That's what's happening in the fire here. They go down bound, 
They go down, bind, bound, bound, but in the fire, they're already loose. It was in the fire. Now, whether the fourth one comes and unties them or the fourth one allows the fires to burn away what's bound and what's, ba- what's brought them into them bound, they go in bound, mark this, but they come out loose. And the difference is the fire. I mean, God could have just removed the bond, bounds and, and just put the fire out if he wanted to. God can do that miraculously. But another way of looking at it, and this is something you can take home, the very fires that were intended to destroy them only destroyed the bonds that were holding them captive. That's what trials do to the believer that's in the will of God. The very things that you look at and you go, man, this is, I'm, I'm done. This is it. I mean, the people around me, the fires are so hot in my life, people around me are falling. I'm done. And I'm bound. I'm bound by this addiction. I'm bound by this thought pattern. I'm bound by this bitterness. I'm bound. I'm bound. I'm bound by this situation. This is it. And yet it's through the very fires that God will release us. It's just what Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, at the end of his life. He said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, the fires. But... God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it this is this day to save many people alive. And then verse 26, back in Daniel chapter 3, he says, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke. And I don't know how he said this, but I'm sure he's tripping out right now. And he's not some big guy in control. I wonder if he goes over to the edge and he says, Shadrach, Meshach, you know, because he knows he's in trouble. Servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. I mean, seriously, he's not even thinking. He's going to the fiery furnace. Come on, come on, guys, come on out. And it says that they came from the midst of the fire. And verse 27, I just, this is so encouraging to me. The satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the king's counselors, they gathered together, and they saw these men on whose the bodies the fire had no power. Now, fire becomes the picture of trial. Think about that had no power on them. The hair of their head wasn't even singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. It wasn't too many years ago that you couldn't walk out of the village inn without smelling like smoke. Remember when they allowed smoking in restaurants? I mean, you couldn't even come out of Denny's without smelling like smoke, and here are these guys in the midst of the fiery furnace... They come out completely clean and unbound. That, my friend, is the end result of the trial. And you need to hold on to that. It's not easy getting thrown in. It's not easy getting tied up. It's not easy being ridiculed. It's not easy be losing all your friends. It's not easy in the midst of the fire. It's not easy. But they come out. And they come out loose. And they come out with the proof of God that that fire couldn't touch them. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. And they stand as a testimony of the faithfulness of God. It's easy. It's easy in times, especially when times are easy. It's so simple. It's so natural for us to forget about the Lord in good times. When there are no fires, no tribulations. When nothing's happening, there's no resistance. You know, the Bible says that if you even desire to live godly, you're going to suffer. <laughs> Just the desire to live godly, you're going to go through stuff. Just as a believer, the devil hates you. You know how God, have a, wonder, have a wonderful word from the Lord. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. 
But the flip side of that is the devil, he hates you and wants to destroy you and your family. And your, he wants to destroy everything about you. You're engaged in a major spiritual battle. The enemies of our life are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Just the desire to live godly is going to bring persecution, trouble. Some of you, you have so much trouble in your life that when there isn't any trouble, you love to take a breather. You might describe it as having a good day. <laughs> had a good day. Yes, had a horrible year, good day. And you relish, you're like, oh, yeah, man, I love this good day. You know, part of the confirmation of you following Jesus is the opposition that you face. That's what we're going to learn in Nehemiah. As soon as you go to work, the opposition's already there. They actually were there before you were. They go to work so fast. I mean, here as a church, you know, as we're talking about things that's going on, and we'll, we'll start talking about some of the various things we're involved in, and, and we'll just ask around, how are things going? You know, if I get, of all the guys at the table, how are things going? Things are fine, things are fine, things are fine, things are fine. No, if, everybody, if everything's going fine, that's not good. There may be a lack of progress that we're making for the kingdom of God, a lack of, you know, the devil just going, they have a name that they're alive, but that church's dead inside. We'll just go off to a church that's making a difference for the things of God. You know, you look at your life, you go, Ed, you know, you talk about trials. You spent the whole message talking about trials. I don't have any trials in my life. That's not good. There may be no progress in your life. You may be avoiding the reality of living for Jesus by re- avoiding the reality of living for Jesus. And if you happen to be in an easy time, be careful not to forget the Lord, not to lose sight of his eternal purposes. Times of comfort and ease with little resistance builds up a little bit of self-pride that we're okay because look at how things are going well. And when things are going well, you're not praying much. You're not desperate much. You got all the bills are paid. Everything's fine. And so really the relationship with God is just one that, hey, everything's fine. I appreciate all the good things, God. And, and there's always that fine balance. I mean, there's a fiery trial for all of us if you're not in one right now. You're probably just coming out of one or there's one just up ahead. But that's the life of the believer, just the desire to live godly. With all that in mind, come back with me now to 2 Corinthians. Now you'll understand Paul just a little bit better when he says to the church in Corinth in his own condition, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, this is verse 3, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in, you might want to mark that word, all. There's not a tribulation or trial that you've ever faced that God did not have a comforting, encouraging word for you. It's all our tribulation. So that, notice, it gets turned around in verse 4, that you then will be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. This is important to grasp real quick because... There is this feeling of inadequacy, inadequacy at times because you're, somebody comes to you with a big, heavy thing and you've never gone through that big, heavy thing. And so you're like, I, I, what am I supposed to say? You're supposed to give them the same exact comfort that you received in the big, crazy thing that they never been through. You've been equipped for it because you know the God. You're not... I forget who I was speaking to recently, but one of the pieces of advice that I gave them is that when you're giving biblical discipleship, don't let the situation stumble you. They go, oh, I've never gone through that. I know, but you've gone through your, your own stuff. And you might take on a responsibility that's not yours, and that is to solve their problem for them. You can't solve their problem for them. 
there isn't anything you can do to get deeper than what God can do in their life. Your responsibility is to get them engaged with the God who created them, who happens to be in the midst of their issue, the God of all comfort and the Father of all mercies. And it's easy to get stumbled by the situations people get themselves into. You know, like, I, whoa, wow, that's a heavy one. But you know what? I know a God. I know the God of all comfort. And I'll just walk through, I'll just walk this, I'll walk through this situation with you. I'll jump in the fire with you. And we'll just walk together. We'll just watch God show up in the midst of it. We'll watch his faithfulness. We'll watch his goodness. We'll watch him. We want to grow so much in the things of God. We want to be used of God. Be careful just to give them the God of all comfort who can comfort us so that we can turn around and comfort people that are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's another one thing, another thing here that I don't want you to miss, and it is a, a general thing. It doesn't always happen that way, but I do find this. God has a tendency to bring people to us that have gone through what we've gone through previously. There does seem to be a sense where the people that seem to be calling you, the people that seem to be connecting with you, the people that seem to be asking for your opinion happen to have a very similar story that you do. For example, when we see a marriage that has been touched and hurt by some horrible sin, but we've also watched that marriage walk through the fire and now they're victorious and that situation's in their past, we may even connect them with someone. As we say, you know, we know what the word says and we're going to give you the word, but there's a couple in the church that what they went through sounds a lot like what you went through. We're going to, we're going to ask them if they can call you and just connect and see if you guys can connect because perhaps as you guys begin to share your stories, you're going to find that as you walk similar paths that you can relate the God of comfort in even a greater way because you have a lot of the similar experiences. And whether we do that as a pastoral team or a lay leadership team or God does it himself, you'll find that you're ministering to a lot of people that are very similar. They're just, they hear your story and go, man, that's me. I need that help. You know, you've been a single for many, many years. And then there's some singles that have only been single for a couple years, but they're really struggling with it. And you remember back then when you were struggling with it and you just come alongside and go, oh, no, no, come on. Let's just walk together. This fire of singleness, let's just walk together. I understand what it means to go to bed that way and to feel that thing. I understand. Let's just walk together. Be patient because God has the right man. Be patient because God has the right woman. Don't jump into, just be patient. And you not only can give them the counsel of patience, but you go, but the God of all comfort will be there with you as you're waiting on him for the right person in your life. It's powerful, this God of all comfort. He says in verse 5 again, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or our comfort abounds through Christ. The more, really what he's saying there is the more that we go through it, the more we sense the comfort of God. Verse 6. Now, if we are afflicted, it's for you. I love that outward. Paul is always looking to serve people, which is, he says, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we're comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. Now, I know for some of you, I've read this a couple times through, I think on purpose, for some of you, because even the second time I read through it, you still don't believe it. And it's times when you just don't believe the word of God. Don't dismiss it. Don't argue with it. Just accept it. It's what it says. There it is on the page. Accept it. 
Because I know very confidently, as you wait on God, he'll make it come to pass in your life. You'll be able to tell me how God comforted you. You'll be able to tell me how you got through it. You'll be able to tell me how Jesus showed up in the midst of the fire, how you went in bound, and some of the things you were bound to, you'll be able to come back and go, no, I'm not bound, I'm loosed. How'd that happen? Well, I did lose my job. It all started when I lost my job. Really? And then it started a series of events to reveal the faithfulness of God. Well, just as Paul went through some tough times, so too will we. But God will be there in our hour of need to provide comfort and grace. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and he'll be right back. We've been in 2 Corinthians 1 today, learning what to do and where to turn in the midst of a storm. If that's where you're at today, I'd like to suggest that you listen to this entire study. You can do that online right now at calvaryco.church or through our app, which can be found by searching for Calvary Aurora. And we'd really like to hear from you this summer. It's helpful to know how these studies are impacting your life, and that would be a real encouragement to Pastor Ed and the team. And if you're in need of prayer, please leave your requests, too. There's a place to contact us at calvaryco.church by email or call 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is supported by listeners just like you, and we're extremely grateful for those that come alongside of us with either a one-time gift or ongoing support. We'd like to say thanks today for a gift of $25 or more by sending you the Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling by John Cruis. This is a handy reference tool for those times when someone comes to you with a problem or a question. You'll be able to open this guide and quickly find the scriptures that best relate to the issue they're dealing with. It's great for counselors, pastors, or really any Christian. So call us at 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.church. Let's get back to Pastor Ed now for the rest of his message in 2 Corinthians 1. Verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even of life. The trouble he's referring to here probably, if you want to mark, is probably Acts chapter 19 there in Ephesus where they were going to kill him. That seemed to be Paul's ministry. He caused riots and they wanted to kill him everywhere he went. That's how effective he was for changing people and changing the lives of cities. God used him in such a great way. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. That's the end result of affliction. So we don't trust in ourselves, but the God that raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, that's eternal death, and who does deliver us in whom we trust that he still will deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. So great discouragement, great weaknesses led to great trust in a God that's far above our earthly weaknesses here. I have that highlighted, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul, I'm sure, understood what Jesus said When Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are in more value than sparrows. I think that comes to life here where he's trusting God in verse 9. It's another hard truth to accept, but it's one worth offering in the context of this section of scripture, and it's this. There are definitely times where God will allow situations to bring us to the end of ourselves. Even after us trying and trying and trying and trying, we come to the final conclusion, I can't do anything. There are times when God will allow it. There are those times when God will send it to bring about humility and dependence in our life. We feel where our feelings are real, that we feel beyond, pressed beyond measure, despairing even of our life, so that we'll be forced to call upon him and his strength. I want you to know, if that describes your life at any time, that is normal Christian living. It's not abnormal. You're, you're not weird. It's not like, man, dude, is that the only me? It's not only you. It's normal. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we'll return to 2 Corinthians 1, And we'll discover what will get us through those times when we're dealing with rumors and accusations. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.